Maxwell Felix get in the way? Follow that speeder. Over the ship. I can't take Tuku alone. I need you. If we catch him, we can end this war right now. We have a job to do. I don't care. Put the ship down. You will be expelled from the Jedi Order. I can't leave her. Come to your senses. What do you think Padme would do with she in your position? She would do her duty. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode number 499, Why We Love Attack of the Clones. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt. And with me, the Obi-Wan Kenobi to my Count Dooku, we have Carl LeClaire. I'll never join you, Dooku. But I will join you, Jason. <laughs> oh, excellent. Oh, well, that was... That's so wonderful because i would love to be joining you on this <laughs> countdown to 500 episodes carl we're one episode away one episode away jason i uh i texted my buddy greg the infamous ion cannon th- this afternoon and i said one more week and i said but chant it like one way out like your kino <laughs> one more <laughs> week one more week <laughs> yes oh, oh. man uh, and then get up to the edge and realize I can't swim. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> um, my goodness, Jason, four ninety nine, kind of coming to the end of this little why we love series. Which uh, whether you've this is the first episode you're joining us with for this little series, or you, you were with us back at four ninety four ninety six four ninety five. Um, Jason and I got together back in October when we were hanging out in Phoenix and sat down and made a top five Star Wars movie list for the two of us combined. And of course, yes. combined, our favorite Star Wars movie is Attack of the Clones. So no better way to end the series than looking at, of course, our combined favorite prequel story. Absolutely. It w- when we sat down, we were like, well, we're pretty sure Attack of the Clones is first, but let's just like write out the list and make sure. And it totally was. Um, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> it wasn't really a, a question. Um, you know, it was very high on both of our lists. And obviously we, we did a whole uh, month of attack at the clones back in May for the, the anniversary, yep. the 20th anniversary of attack of the clones, which was super fun. Um, and we've, we've had a blast talking about the movie and the novel Brotherhood this year, which ties mm-hmm. in very closely to Attack of the Clones. Um, it's, it is, in my opinion, the best new canon novel, period. Um, so if you haven't read Brotherhood, highly, highly recommend Yeah, but, it's yeah. funny because we were obviously just talking about Brotherhood before we hit record. And I was saying that I think I might start the new year by reading it again because I just love that book so much. Um, 
It's it is definitely it's my something I highly encouraged Carl to do. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely my favorite of the new canon, and and are, honestly, it might very well end up becoming my second favorite Star Wars book, only to the Revenge of the Sith novel by Matthew Stover. Um, and I think a lot of that is because Mike Chen is channeling a lot of what Matthew Stover did in his Revenge of the Sith novel. So. Super excited to to revisit that book. And the thing is, too, Jason, every time I watch Attack of the Clones now, it makes me want to read Brotherhood because it is such a perfect sequel to the movie. Um, and I would yes. also I would also say for those of you fellow Attack of the Clones lovers, if you want to if you really want to dive into the the post the immediate post Attack of the Clones storytelling, I would also recommend E.K. E. Johnston's Queen's Hope, which is the last of her Padme trilogy, which picks up actually immediately at the end of Attack of the Clones. It actually takes place before the end of the movie. Um, so Anakin and Padme have a short adventure before their wedding. Um, yes. So it's, it's, it's just, if you're, if you're loving on Attack of the Clones as much as we do and you have not read Brotherhood or Queen's Hope, can't recommend those books enough. They were definitely two of the highlights of Star Wars 2022 for me. Yeah, there are definitely some good ones in Brotherhood. Again, like I said, is is the best Star Wars book I've read in a very, very long time at the very least. Uh, if not, it, like I said, it's definitely the best in my opinion of the new canon. So agreed. Um, agreed. And that's, and there's, but stiff, enough about and, yeah, and just, there's stiff competition too. The, the, a lot of this new canon stuff has been phenomenal, but to me, the, brotherhood just yes. kind of stands in a league of its own. Um, absolutely. Anywho, absolutely. Mike Chen needs to write more uh, prequel novels. God, I told I Carl love, that yes. right before we started recording. Yeah. But yes. Yes, he does. I'd love for him to write one like post Phantom Menace. Um, oh, Anakin and Obi-Wan yes. trying to figure each other out and that, and that frustration. Ooh, Ooh I love that. More, idea. more opportunities for Anakin to get to know Palpatine, right? Like young Palpatine swooping in. Um, Yeah. Maniacal, all right. Friend. Maniacal. All right. Anyway, Maniacal. <laughs> um, so about brotherhood. This podcast is about Attack of the Clones, right? Um. <laughs> right. And we sure love the heck out of Attack of the Clones. Like you said, we did an entire month of episodes back in May about those. So if if you're new to the show and you you also love Attack of the Clones, you might be interested in going back to our episodes from from May of 2022 and and checking out some of those things we got into. But that said, Jason, we're going to kind of continue the conversation like we've been having the last several weeks, which is just kind of looking at some general things from these movies that we love so much. And what is it about it that we find so endearing to us to these movies? Because, again, there are a lot of people that malign Attack of the Clones, especially right. Um, Even people that say they love the prequels are like, well, Attack of the Clones just isn't very good. You and I genuinely love this movie. This the fact that you told yes. me it was your second favorite Star Wars movie the first time we met, I was like, I love this guy. I don't know, I don't know why somebody loves that movie that much, but I love this guy. Uh, um, and <laughs> and my love for that movie has skyrocketed in the last decade. So, um, and I think doing this show has a lot to do with it. Awesome. I my love for the movie is infectious. It and, is. And uh, likewise, your love for some of the other stuff in Star Wars has definitely bled over onto me. We're we're becoming a homogenous Star Wars fan uh, between the two of us. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, Jason never looks at balcony scenes the same way, and I will Very for true. I will forever laugh at three uh, PO's. I'm so confused. <laughs> I'm so confused. Uh, it's one of the most applicable lines to anything in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. 
And um, I, I literally cannot see, I, I look for balcony scenes in Star Wars now. Thank you, Carl. Um, there's been some great ones, some really, really awesome ones. Um, but yes, yeah. balcony scenes. Okay. Okay. Attack of the Clones. Where are we starting? We are starting with, uh, I believe it's my turn to start first. Um, yes. Because I think you started first last week. Um, if I remember right, also doesn't really matter. Um, so uh, I'll just kick us off. I'll, uh, the first thing I want to mention is for uh, why I love this movie so much is honestly, Jason, it's my comfort Star Wars movie. This is this is a conversation you'll hear a lot in fandom, and it, it makes me really happy that folks talk about it. Besides just us, um, you know, when I think about what Star Wars movie do I just Nine times out of ten, what's the Star Wars movie I just like to throw on either in the background or just have on like while I'm doing work from home or, you know, doing some laundry or something, right? Just like what is my what is my go to Star Wars movie for about a decade now? It's been Attack of the Clones Um, for the for much of my early fandom. It was definitely Empire Strikes Back, Um, but it's become Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones, for whatever reason, just hits all my Star Wars juices just right. Like it's. It's the thing that just makes me feel most comfortable, um, you know, especially if there's ever like a rainy day and I don't have to work or something, there's a good chance Attack of the Clones gets put on and I just pretend that I'm on Camino um, and it's great. Uh, and yeah, it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is because I think in the same way, you know, you fall in love with a piece of music. You fall in love with it ultimately just because you do, right? It's not necessarily some analytical, tangible exercise. It's just something in that thing moves you, um, you know, kind of like falling in love yeah. with any, any, well, like another person. Like there's just something about them that attracts you and draws you in. And that's what Attack of the Clones does for me, um, which is funny because there is like a, a loving seduction story in the middle act. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> As these two forbidden lovers start to flirt with the possibility, um, but yeah, just this is just the Star Wars movie I, I throw on more often than anything else. And and while Empire will probably forever be my favorite Star Wars movie, um, I find myself watching Attack of the Clones most years a couple more times than I do Empire because it is just that comfort movie. It's you know. Um, yeah, it's just it's just yeah. it's tremendous fun to me. I love that it's it's a big stakes story, but it also has a very personal one buried in the heart of it. And I'll get into more mm-hmm. of that later on in the episode. Um, but that's you know I, I I know that's not a profound reason, but it just it just is my comfort Star Wars movie, and that's one of my favorite things about it. Well, I mean, to be to be totally honest, it's it's probably mine too. You know, obviously, uh, Return of the Jedi is and forever will be my favorite Star Wars movie because of the nostalgia and the the just the sheer amount of of how much I love the the happy ending feel of Return of the Jedi. Mm. But Attack of the Clones uh, is I definitely watch it more than I watch Return of the Jedi, um, and. Uh, that's that's not even a question and it's the one that i am the most it's the one star wars movie i am literally the most like immersed in if you marinated jason in anything star wars it would be attack of the clones um you know and they should smell they should sell that marinade at the next star wars celebration (laughs) oh man it's it's 
got notes of uh, rain and sandstorms. Um, so <laughs> there's, no, there's no sandstorms in Attack of the Clones. No, but there's a lot of sand. There is a lot of uh, sand. Tatooine and, I guess and Geonosis. You could get. You definitely got to get some like open flowery smells though too for the meadows of mm. Naboo, right? Like you need like a a really beautiful spring scent. Um, there, there's going to be like, like I can see it now. There's a whole line of scents from Attack of the, inspired by Attack oh, of the Clones. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Yes. Come on, Yankee I, Candle, I, get it together. That's a relationship <laughs> we need to happen. Yankee Candle and Lucasfilm. <laughs> there you. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, I, I'm right there with you. It really is like my comfort Star Wars, and I am so comfortable and so immersed in in Attack of the Clones and the things that happen right around Attack of the Clones and because of Attack of the Clones, like that's, that's where my brain lives when it just floats into Star Wars. Um, you know, so I totally understand where you're coming from with that because I, it literally is the same for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the first thing I do want to bring up is an actual specific experience I have, and it's the first experience I ever had with Attack of the Clones. You know, back in 2002, going to the movie theater, um, it was the Saturday after it came out. It came out on a Friday. My family used to always go see Star Wars on Saturday. Um, and so we all wandered in there, sat down. We're watching the movie. I'm all into it. The Genosis arena battle just like draws me in more than anything I was expecting. And then we finally get to the hangar and Dooku cuts down Anakin and Obi-Wan and, (laughs) and Yoda, his cane just sort of starts tapping its way into the hangar and you could feel the energy and the excitement rising in the movie theater. Uh, like it was palpable. You could cut the excitement and tension with a knife. And as soon as, you know, it was obvious this contest cannot be decided by our knowledge of the force, but by our skill with a lightsaber. And Dooku ignites his saber, the choir sings, and the entire theater erupts in cheers as Yoda ignites his lightsaber for the first time on screen uh, and goes to town on, on Dooku. Like I will never forget the entire theater just cheering and shouting uh, in excitement as, as Yoda ignited his lightsaber for the first time, <laughs> uh, you know, in the movies uh, on screen and, and everyone just went bananas. Um, and that feeling and that I, I've never, had that sort of experience in the movie theater before, and I doubt I will ever have it again. The closest I came to it was people cheering at the beginning of The Force Awakens uh, as that movie was starting. Um, that's the closest it's come to, but the, the most excited movie theater I've ever been in was Yoda igniting his lightsaber uh, at the end of Attack of the Clones. And and that moment will forever live in my brain. It's probably bigger in my brain now than it was uh, as a 13-year-old kid because uh, that's how memories work. They get exaggerated sometimes, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live with that. To. I'm going to go yeah. with this and, and, just, and just stick by it. That's my story, and I'm sticking <laughs> to it. 
those, that's, those are the things myths are made of, Jason. So I think it's allowed. Exactly. <laughs> we should make our Star Wars journeys into mythical ones. I mean, George would want it no other way. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I love that. You know, um, I also remember people just going berserk in the theater when, when Yoda whipped it out. Um, it's a sentence, Carl. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, people just like lost their minds. It was, it was something I know I definitely wanted in 2002. Like we, we saw all these Jedi go to battle in the arena. It's like, Oh, what, what would happen if Yoda, like, can Yoda fight? What does it look like? Um, and to be fair, like that was, it was teased to us that it was going to happen. And I think it was yes. in the trailer. Um, yeah, there, there was a trailer that was like a TV spot that came out and, uh, it was like, it was like one of those like, uh, fighter promos, you know, it was like over 800 years old, two feet tall, you know, kind of <laughs> things. And then <laughs> I remember it. Uh, so yeah. And, and then like he pulls out his lightsaber and, it ignites like right as the it smash cuts to attack of the clones, you know, yeah, kind of a thing. But uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, definitely worth mentioning. I think that is one of the, especially in 2002, probably one of the most iconic things in Star Wars. I mean, um, it was, I was watching the movie earlier today with our friend Jazz and uh, commenting how to me, like, I love attack of the clones so much, but the duel, the lightsaber duels at the end just kind of stutter out to me. Whereas that's why Phantom Menace to me will always have the edges because we get duel of the fates, which I think is so good. Mm -hmm. But all that to say when Maul pulls out his double, double edged lightsaber for the first time, right? People lost their minds. Um, yeah. But Yoda igniting a lightsaber took it to a whole other level, right? Cause yeah. Maul's lightsaber was cool because it was a new kind of lightsaber. But this was Yoda, the Jedi master that we've all revered for, you know, decades, pulling out a lightsaber and opening a school on, on whoop ass. So. Yeah. Right. Exactly. He, he was he was a puppet. He was all we knew him as was a puppet. He was now computer animated and uh, was able to wield a lightsaber. And everyone wanted to see that. Yeah. Um, you know, some people then decided they regretted it later on. Um, but at that time in Star Wars history, everybody wanted to see it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't recall people having any shade for it back in the day. So, um, nope. Yeah. No, I, yeah, so iconic. So glad that's the first thing you want to bring up. Um, <laughs> the, well, the next thing for me, I, I'll, I'll actually I'll, I'll share my kind of last like nostalgic point. Um, what I loved about attack of the clones initially, um, is kind of what drew me into the movie was it was the first time I saw myself in a star Wars story. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, I mean, I was a child of, you know, the dark times in the mid nineties there. And all of my early star Wars experiences was the original trilogy, but the original trilogy while it was an inspiring story, it felt like something I was observing more than participating in, if that makes sense. Um, so Star Wars was always something I got to enjoy and I could play around in the world, but I didn't necessarily see my story in it. Although a nine-year-old probably doesn't see their story in a lot of things because you can only surmise so much at nine years old. <laughs> um, right, exactly. There's but, only so much of life. Yeah, you can really think old. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what really worked for me with attack of the clones and, and the wooden dialogue all aside, like 
I really, I really found Anakin's story um, identifiable for me at that age. Like I was, I was 16 years old. Um, my parents were starting a very long, painful experience of divorce with lots and lots of fighting. Um, and I saw in Anakin his desire to save his family, to rescue his mom. I, it kind of became my like mythological story on the big screen of like me trying to save my parents' marriage. <laughs> like, you know, like any 16 year old often finds themselves responsible for things beyond their control. I wanted right. to try to control it though. I wanted to make sure I could fix it. I, I wanted that so, so badly. Um, and even seeing, and you know, with the story of Anakin, like he doesn't quite su- succeed in it. I was like, Oh, nuts. Like sometimes you don't. Um, so I just, right. I just really identi- identified with that. And also 16 year old Carl was also really gung ho about becoming a Catholic priest, but I also knew I didn't want to be celibate, which, which means you can't marry. So like Anakin's so much of his struggles in this story are about what it means for him to be a Jedi, right? Like that he has to yeah. be one thing and not another thing. So like I was identifying with that too. I just, I found Anakin's story very compelling. Um, and 16 year old Carl ate that up and needed that story at that particular point in my life in a way that I didn't necessarily need the OT. Um, uh, and, and, and the way that even showed up, like in 2002, the most I would ever see a movie in theaters is twice. Um, a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was, you know, only 16 and was still pretty reliant on people for car rides. (laughs) Um, right. But I saw attack of the clones four times in theaters, which for me back then was a lot of times. Um, and really until force awakens came out, I don't think I'd ever seen a movie in theaters more than that. Um, so yeah, I just, I knew that I loved it because it was star Wars. It felt like star Wars. It looked like star Wars, but there was also this element in here, this story about a character who was the hero of the story, but is a very conflicted and tortured hero. Um, and 16 year old Carl may have been a little emo, and also felt like a very tortured soul at 16 years old. So, um, you know, I just, I loved the story. This was also the year I got my perm so I could even look more like Hayden Christensen. <laughs> you know, I, I pulled out all the stops because of how much I saw my story in some way reflected in the story on the big screen. So that was definitely my entry point into loving Attack of the Clones. Um, so even years later when people are kind of crapping on it, like, oh, the dialogue sucks or the romance sucks, I'm like... You know, sometimes I would just kind of like nod along, but it was like, no, I, I don't care about that stuff because the, the spirit of the story is moving to me. Um, and I still appreciate yeah. it for that. Like I still, I do think if you are willing to just go a little bit beneath the, the hollow, sometimes empty acting, like there is still a really good character story in there. Um, and I think mm-hmm. at 16 years old and not some sort of film buff in any capacity, I don't need those fancy things to like fall in love with a story. Uh, it, it was, it was just that, that spirit of the story that really moved me. And, and that's probably why it still is a comfort movie still to this day. It's, it's my comfort star Wars. That makes total sense. And that's, that's really great that it helped you, you know, it, it helped give you some sense of validity in the cause that you were trying to, to pursue um, you know, both in terms of your, your family and your vocation. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's nice to, to see. It's always really nice. It's sorry. Let me, let me hmm. back that up. <laughs> you can find yourself 
in a lot of different characters and a lot of different stories. You can find elements of yourself in a lot of different things and a lot of different stories. It's really, really awesome when something directly speaks and highlights the biggest thing in your life at the time mm-hmm. when you watch it. Yeah. And, and for me, that was kind of Jar Jar Binks with Phantom Menace. Cause I felt awkward and uncomfortable and, and kind of, you know, on the outside. Um, and it was that way with you and attack of the clones. That's really awesome. So uh, it's, it's great. It's like I said, it's always a big highlight when something can speak directly and almost specifically to your the biggest thing in your life at the time when you watch it like that's that's ridiculous and it almost never happens yeah <laughs> for sure oh awesome yeah um that's great well what about you what else stands what's what's the next thing you want to bring up from attack of the clones the next thing i want to bring up is uh and this is you know, kind of looking at Attack of the Clones from a 30,000 foot view and at what else the Attack of the Clones gave us. Attack of the Clones gave us the Clone Wars. It gave us the start of the Clone Wars, which of course then led into an entire, you know, series, uh, an animated series called the Clone Wars, obviously, uh, <laughs> which continued to have ramifications um, out into the new content. To this day, we still are getting, you know, shockwaves from Attack of the Clones rippling throughout Star Wars. And obviously, you know, my brain right now is definitely on the Bad Batch and the immense impact Attack of the Clones, impact and influence Attack of the Clones had on the story that Bad Batch told in season one. Obviously, we, we go back and we, we see the Empire uh, destroying Kamino at the end of season one uh, because they don't want the clone technology getting out to anybody else and they want to keep it all for themselves and they, you know, all of that stuff. So it's really the Empire trying to put, uh, you know, a stamp on the end of the legacy of Attack of the Clones, or, well, of, of Kamino, not Attack of the Clones. Um, but, yeah, so the the ripples that have come out from attack of the clones uh are are huge uh, in the the subsequent content that we have gotten um particularly in animation but we've also seen you know characters and themes return in movies and live action obviously cad bane came from the clone wars and he's mm. in uh boba fett we heard Luminara uh, speak in the Rise of Skywalker to um, Ray, to Ray, uh, and you know a couple of the other Jedi, you know Ahsoka, uh, specifically from the Clone Wars, where Luminara was in the Clone Wars and in Attack of the Clones. So, uh, yeah, you know the the just ranging impact that we have that Attack of the Clones has had on the rest of the content that have that has come out from Disney in particular is huge. Probably the single most influential um, movie in terms of additional content that we have had. Uh, so, and that, you know, all of that just tickles my fancy and I love seeing all that content come out. Um, 
you know, particularly Clone Wars related content mm. and things that that reference Clone Wars. Um, and and that is a direct result of this movie. So and uh, yeah, so that's that's sort of the my 30,000 foot view on Attack of the Clones and, and the impact it has and continues to have uh, in the new content that we've been getting for the well since 2008. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, I would say Attack of the Clones influence over some future Disney Star Wars projects is second, probably only to order 66 <laughs> that's come mm, up a lot true. in Disney Star Wars. Um, but other Oof. than that, you know, I would say so much of it, you know, is derived from clone stories, um, which all originate here in the clone wars. So that actually, that'll lead me right into the next thing I want to mention about why I love this movie so much is it's to me, one of the most perfect world building star Wars stories. Um, there's so much going on. Uh, there's, there's a lot of exposition. There's a lot of things going on in the background that we don't get to see, but just hear hints of. Um, and I love this about attack of the clones is it made the galaxy far, far away seem bigger and more filled out. Um, it really does a good job of the movie itself, kind of giving a 30,000 foot view of the star Wars galaxy. Um, Mm -hmm. and the way it kind of builds out all these possible side stories and, you know, I think the one that continues to be a point of conversation for Star Wars fans to this day is just all the mystery surrounding Sifo-Dyas and the clone army. Mm. Um, I mean, we kind of get an answer about it in the Lost Missions season of Clone Wars, um, but I, I don't know that we have like a solid narrative story of how that all went down. Um, I feel like we're, we get, we've gotten lots of sprinklings of elements of the sifo clone story, but I don't know that we've gotten all of it. I mean, and I, and I'm kind of okay with that. I love that there's sprinkles of it. Like even, you know, the, the last Dooku episode for tales of the Jedi is him going into the archives and deleting the information on Camino. Um, mm-hmm. right. So there's, there's all these far reaching elements to, to just to that particular little plot, you know, the, just that one side off comment of tell your master Sifo Dyas his clones will be ready on schedule. Master, ma, yes. sorry, master who? Sifo Dyas. Mm-hmm. I, I love the sort of like yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> from uh, Jedi Master Sifo Dyas is still a leading member of the Jedi Council. Is he not? <laughs> master Sifo Dyas was killed almost ten years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that brushes non dust off his knee um (laughs) (laughs) couldn't care less (laughs) yeah you're still gonna pay for this right (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) Um, we still have our money yes Uh, (laughs) oh my gosh um yeah i mean so you know you have that element um we get to see so much more of the Jedi temple in the movie. You know, we get to walk around, we get to go to the archives, the library, all these things about, um, you know, the, the Jedi seem to have all the answers. They, they seem to have the resources on everything that goes on, but then you get a, you get a moment with Obi-Wan going to visit his pale Dexter Jetster, you know, in his little diner. And, you know, you, you meet this character who clearly has had a long history on his own 
and also has a history with Obi-Wan, right? So there's a backstory there that we we don't have to see to understand that they are good pals. Um, mm. and, and that there's there are sources of knowledge outside of the Jedi. And, you know, while they may put up this air of kind of having the answers to everything, there's a reality that there's there's things that exist outside their preview, mainly things in beyond the outer rim, right? Like I, I when I was watching the movie today, I, I don't know how it, for the first time ever, that line really struck me when Dexter says, you know, you know, Camino, is it part of the Republic? No, no, no. It's outside the, you know, it's, it's beyond the outer rim. And it's like, oh, wow. Like Camino's Camino's technically then if it's beyond the outer rim, isn't that technically the unknown regions? <laughs> I mean, um, it probably it's depends definitely who you ask. out of the Republic. Yeah. So, right. Like, so there's this idea that there is, there's also a world outside the Republic that exists too. So it, it, there's just so many elements in this story that have you asking questions. Um, and then even to what you alluded to earlier with, you know, um, Dooku and uh, Obi-Wan, you know, and, you know, I think that's, a, that's a question fans still love to talk about is, is Dooku genuine with Obi-Wan and joining him and whatnot. And I think stories like tales of the Jedi kind of insinuate that maybe he was. Um, But again, I love that there are moments like this where George doesn't tell us direct answers, but kind of allows us just to keep asking the question. Um, Yeah. I think attack of the clones opens a lot of doors for that element of star Wars fan. And I'm definitely one of those star Wars fans that I love to think about, you know, um, and, and I would say this is anchored in something as simple as that line in 1977. You fought in the Clone Wars, right? Like that was a thing right. that grabbed you as an audience member. And you're like, wait, what is that? You know, yeah, um, exactly. And there's so, you know, the bounty hunter, we ran into an Ord Mantel and Empire Strikes Back. It's like, what's that story? <laughs> you know, the Battle of Tanab. What, what was the Battle of Tanab? You know, there's yeah. all. The- what was the maneuver? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um so the, right there's there's always like these things that get dropped in star wars and almost every movie has them but i feel like attack of the clones just has a ton of them uh and i yeah i they, love it for they that. definitely do well i'm gonna jump right off the back of this because that was exactly the next point i wanted to make on my list is the world building aspect of attack of the clones and this is something you know we've talked about before and um you know the the amazing aspect of it you've you've been talking about a lot of the the narrative world building Mm. um with within attack of the clones which is awesome and there's so much of that and i think that's part of why you know we you know so much of the content i was talking about just previous is in existence is because people want asked questions about the different references you know the different untied references in the narrative that you're you know discussing there but not only does it do that, but it does just a beautiful job of, of world building in the very tactical, tactile sense mm. um, with great new locations, incredible new aliens, mixing in, of course, all the, the old ones as well. The politics of Attack of the Clones uh, really kind of helped to shape the, the state of the galaxy and uh, show us and... and, and and make the the frame for what Palpatine uses to push it towards the Empire, um, and and all of this. Oh, there, there's great narrative world building uh, on top of absolutely stunning uh, physical 
world building that we get because obviously you know we go to incredible new places you and i love camino and topoca city um and the fact that it, it's come back uh with bad batch or did come back uh with bad batch i am a huge fan of geonosis i like I, I like that place um obviously naboo is a gorgeous planet i was i really enjoyed going back to carl you're a huge fan of coruscant and all the you know the the night life that we, you know, the, the night scenes that we get of the city lights and everything. Um, and like you said, we get to explore the Jedi temple more than we ever do in any of the other movies. Really? Um, we, there's so many different scenes that we get inside the temple and it's, it's fantastic. And I love it. Um, it really, not only you know, the, the Jedi are seen a little bit, uh, distant a little bit disconnected in the way they handle themselves from the rest of the from the the people at large in the galaxy particularly in attack of the clones but getting sort of that that look inside their home so to speak Mm. um kind of humanizes them and tells us that it's not you know it they're not it's not deliberate you know they're they're not trying to cut themselves off, so to speak, from the people who need them the most. Uh, they, you know, there really are people who care. And we see all these individuals, you know, going about their daily lives inside the temple uh, quite a bit. So, um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the world building of Attack of the Clones. And it, it definitely is one of the best Star Wars movies for world beer for world building period. So, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I think, um, and, and I think, and, and it kind of had to be right. The type of story it was uh-huh. setting up and was trying to tell. Um, right. So it, important to note that just the fact that we love this so much from this movie, isn't to say that other movies suck cause they don't have it. I, I don't think the other movies have the extent that this one does because of what it is setting up. Um, right. So it, it it has a lot of it opens a lot of doors and also fills some fills some holes like it, it's it's expositionally narratively I think this is the one of the most dense expositional stories right I mean yes. I would I would argue Last Jedi is probably the densest Star Wars film in so far as like uh, yes. psychologically um, and and what's going on there with characters and their interactions. But I would say Attack of the Clones is the story that has the most moving parts narratively. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, yeah, it, and- it has to it has to not only develop the relationship between Anakin and Padme. It's got to set up the the fall to the dark side of Anakin. It's also got to build up you know, everything around the Clone Wars and then set everything up so that the dominoes can just start falling on their way to Revenge of the Sith. You know, there's a lot that the movie has to do, and you're right. So the, there's a lot going on, and it, it has to have a heavy lift world-building-wise uh, more so than probably, like you said, any of the other movies do. So the the fact that it managed to accomplish that in a way that's pretty good uh, is impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, one of the the next thing I want to talk about is it, this is definitely a staple. We've talked about this stuff a lot when talking about Attack of the Clones, but again, these 
these two characters, their time on screen together, every time Attack of the Clones is on for me. And again, some like I admit, you know, a lot of times it's, it's kind of on in the background because it's my comfort Star Wars movie. But the scenes that always have me fixated are the Django and Obi-Wan scenes. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, it's come to the point now where for the longest time, my favorite thing between them is their, you know, the rumble in the rain. Um, but I think now, honestly, my favorite interaction is, is in the apartment, you know, when, when Obi-Wan oh, so good. faces him down face to face like that. I, I just, the, there's something about their little story there in the middle of the movie. That's kind of a classic Western, you know, you've got the, you've yeah. kind of got the faceless, uh, killer, you know, which is Django confronting the marshal of the town, which of course the Jedi or the peacekeepers of the galaxy, you know, staring each other down, both well aware what the other one is there for, right? Django knows Obi-Wan's onto him and lies right to his face. <laughs> um, and Obi-Wan just plays along, right? It's this, this wonderful scene of sizing each other up. It's, it's building up all of this tension. And then the rumble in the rain is just kind of the explosion of that, you know, um, yes. to be nasty. If you're popping a zit, you know, you're like squeezing, 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 and then poof, oh. rumble in the rain. Sorry, everybody. You're all grossed out now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so gross but it yeah. is an apt uh, yeah. comparison maybe i should have just said a volcano <laughs> that's less gross um there, there you go there we go <laughs> but um yeah More deadly, so, but less gross yeah like um, the, the rumble in the rain to me is kind of the payoff like you know it's kind of got to go there it's the icing on the cake but for me it's that that face-to-face showdown where you know at any moment they could snap and just attack each other like it's just such a great tense scene and Tamora and Ewan play it so perfectly and the way George yeah. frames it is perfect. I mean, it's so much fun is, you know, so this is clearly an, a small element of attack of the clones is kind of that Western trope of, you know, again, the, the villain and the, in the Marshall and this is, these are their interactions. Um, so I, I, just adore the heck out of it. And I, I even remember back in 2002, just being really excited, seeing, you know, a FET in all their armor, using all their gadgets up against a Jedi. Cause so much of the old yeah. legends lore was that the Mandalorians were this ancient race that fought a war against the Jedi and ultimately were defeated. Um, so it was cool. Like with that head, you know, with that, that lore going in my head back in 2002, going into the movie and just get to finally see a Mandalorian versus Jedi, was awesome. I mean, in the way that it is a pretty toe to toe fight, like, yes, Obi-Wan kind of gets the upper hand, but just barely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And if you, yeah. if you've read the attack of the clones novel in the novel, Obi-Wan, when reflecting about the fight right after it ends was like, I was lucky to survive that. So the novel <laughs> kind of insinuates that Django kind of had the upper hand. So, um, yeah, well, Obi-Wan came out on top in the end, but boy, he got lucky. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, so yeah, I, I love the Obi-Wan Django, the chemistry in the movie. Uh, it's so, so good. The, the, the apartment scene, I absolutely adore so much. Um, and I love it because it's a, it really is verbal sparring, you know, that you can see the, you know, the attacks and the parries and the feints and everything like that. You know, one of my favorite parts is, you know, Obi-Wan digging in and saying, well, you must know Master Sifo-Dyas. Master who? And then, and then Obi-Wan backs off and he's like, well, Sifo-Dyas, isn't he not the Jedi 
who hired you for this job? And he, he backs off. It's like, you know, he's been putting the pressure on, he's been putting the pressure on, and then he backs off. And he's like, well, let's see what he, let's see what Django does. And Django goes, okay, we're going to play like that. And he him. pushes back. Um, yeah. Never heard of him. Yeah. You know? Really? I was really. recruited by a man named Tyrannus on one of the moons of Bogdan. Curious. <laughs> Do you like and then redirect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep, and then it's almost like so bringing them good. back together. Yeah. Do you like your army? I look forward to seeing them in action. They'll do their job, Will. I guarantee that. Thank you for your time, Cenk. Always a pleasure to meet a Jedi. <laughs> it's so, so good! good. It's so, <laughs> it's good. so good. You know, that they literally had an entire battle right there in the apartment in front of Tan Wee and Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, and nobody raised a finger. So, yep. and it, it's so, so good. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. It's, that is one of the best written scenes in Attack of the Clones, in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah. And, and their acting is just so perfect. It really is. So, uh, I'm so glad that you brought that up because it was one of those things where I was thinking about putting it on my list, but it ultimately didn't make the cut. Uh, that and the, you know, Dooku and Obi Wan scene. Uh, oh no, my friend! This is a mistake, a terrible mistake. You've gone too far. They've gone too far. Oh, this is madness, you know all that. <laughs> but um, you know, I won't bring that up now. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so glad that you brought up uh, Django and Obi Wan because I was thinking about it, but it ultimately didn't make the cut for my list. So, um, what I will bring up though, and and this is a point that I have brought up a lot of times, uh, so it shouldn't be too surprising for me, um, is Palpatine's plots mm. and plans and the way that he's really kind of bringing everything together, you know, but of course he's presented like sort of a, a hapless victim and a, a, of circumstance where he's, he's forced to have to make these difficult and impossible decisions that he really doesn't want to do, but for the good and the safety of the Republic, he will, he will make the sacrifice uh, and, and, and do all of this. But, you know, it's obviously, as we know, a ploy to gain the power that he wants. He's backing the Jedi into a corner so that they have to get involved in the war as generals. The Republic is teetering... Uh, it, you know, obviously willingly gives him emergency powers uh, that he has pushed them all into. But the one that I really wanted to highlight this time around isn't is one I don't always highlight is his plots and plans with Anakin. Hmm. Um, and obviously we see him more actively pulling strings in Revenge of the Sith. Because that's where he has to bring everything to the the result that he wants. He has to, you know, very literally guide and direct Anakin down the path, the exact path he needs him to move. This time it's a bit more broad and it's more nudging and all of this. And the most insidious nature of all of this, you know, which is a little bit of a pun because he's Darth Sidious. Um but the most insidious nature of all of it is that he is Anakin's grandfather in Attack of the Clones. Mm. Is what he comes off as. It's it, he's 
you know, they're encouraging Anakin. Oh, I see you becoming the most you're the most gifted Jedi I have ever met. You know, I see you becoming greatest of all Jedi, even more powerful than Master Yoda. But it's all of this stuff where he's, it's all shrouded in this veneer of, oh, I'm so happy for you. Oh, they're finally giving you an assignment. Your patience has paid off. You know, it, you're, you have been past due on all of this. And I'm so happy. I'm so delighted that all of this is finally going your way. And it's just got Anakin or Anakin just hook, line and sinker. Uh, you know, he can't see the fact that he's being led by the nose by this man. And it's, it really is, you know, uh, manipulative and devious, which is of course what Palpatine is known for. And that, that scene in particular just struck me today as I was watching it, just how, how kindly and encouraging that, Palpatine is being towards Anakin. But of course we can see, we as the audience can see the undercurrent of malevolence and manipulation that's woven through it. And it's, it's so awful, Uh, but it's done masterfully, you know, not only, uh, you know, narratively in the story, but creatively, you know, written by George and performed by Ian uh, McDermott. So, yeah, it, it's done perfectly for the story that needs to be told. And it's really, really good. And uh, as I said, it's more, all of the machinations are definitely more apparent and more visible in Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. But the, the board is set in Attack of the Clones. And Palpatine, Palpatine gets all of his pawns into position and lets them loose throughout this movie. And, and it's really quite something to see how effective that all ended up being. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, even talking about this, we only get one Sidious scene in the entire movie, which is, of course, the very mm-hmm. end with him and Dooku. But, it, I mean, it, it hits you right in the face. He's the one responsible for starting this war. He's orchestrated yes. both sides. Like you said, he's set these pieces up, and now now everything's finally in motion. Um, I honestly wish we had had even one more scene between Anakin and Palpatine in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Just for the sake of, like, again, just further entrenching that that relationship, but even with just the one we have, it tells us everything we need to hear. Um, right. And, uh, and, and you can also, I mean, I think also you can mention in passing the earlier in the movie when Anakin and Obi-Wan are arguing about, you know, she's a politician and the not to be trusted. Um, and Anakin kind of, well, what about the chancellor? He doesn't appear to be corrupt. Um, and then Obi-Wan, we go off camera and only hear mutterings of what he says and then cut back to yeah. Anakin just saying, well, I think he's a good man. Um, right. So even in uh, even in a scene like that, he's defending this grandfatherly figure to his wary father. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. if if Palpatine's the grandfather, he's the f- grandfather in law. <laughs> he's not Palpatine. Right. Dad. He's not Kenobi's dad. It's the you know, it's right. the mother. It's the father in law, <laughs> um, you know, and uh, yeah, I. I in that scene there, you know, 
like you mentioned, it, it's really Palpatine putting Anakin on this pedestal. You know, um, while he's lauded as the chosen one, whatever that might mean, uh, you've got Palpatine over here actually saying like, yeah, you deserve more. You're so gifted. You're so powerful. Um, why aren't they giving you more? Why aren't they entrusting you with more? So he almost is in slowly instilling into Anakin a sense of entitlement. Um, oh, definitely. Palpatine is clearly an entitled character. You know, he feels that he's it's his right to be in charge of the Republic and to start an empire. Um, so he kind of instills into Anakin this sense of entitlement. Um, and that's obviously going to become a very dangerous uh, character trait for Anakin moving forward. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. We're, yeah. we're at the end of things, aren't we? Yeah. Well, and this honestly is perfect to go into the final thing I want to mention about why I love Attack of the Clones so much is kind of just this overarching theme of Anakin's frustration. Um, it's it in all of in all nine Skywalker saga films. I think my favorite character arc to watch is probably prequels Anakin um, specifically in Attack of the Clones and I really love like Ray's journey and rise of Skywalker. Like those, those two individual characters and their journeys and those subsequent movies are two of my favorite things, which is why even like a hot mess that is rise of Skywalker, I can still really enjoy the story for what's going on for Ray in it. Um, yeah. But all that aside, we're here to talk attack of the clones for attack of the clones. Um, and obviously I insinuated this earlier, um, but the, the, the things going on for Anakin in this story were, you know, interestingly identifiable to 16 year old Carl. But more than that, what I just love about it and what they're doing with the story is everything is kind of predicated on the fact that Anakin knows he's the chosen one. Um, and there's a great little caveat moment in the novel Brotherhood where Anakin's kind of talking about how that term is one often used with derision from some of his peers and others with like this sense of hopefulness and optimism. But the way we kind of get this reflection of for Qui-Gon calling Anakin the chosen one wasn't about giving him a title, but giving him a a path to follow. Um, So chosen one is less a title to Anakin than it is an opportunity for something more. So I think in Attack of the Clones, what I like is his frustration is clearly centered in this fact that if I'm the chosen one, why am I being treated like everybody else? So, again, there's a bit of entitlement there. Um, Mm -hmm. But what's this? Well, I think the the big the big conflict of the story is trying to take Anakin, this kind of rebellious, open minded thinker, and forcing them into the dogmatic Jedi box that is Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> um, you know, it, Anakin's trying to be fit into fit into holes that he doesn't fit, um, and I think the way that that even takes shape in the story is, of course the forbidden love story between him and Padme Um, for Anakin to fall in love. He knows that sure. He's allowed to fall in love. I mean, he says to Padme, like we're encouraged to love, you know, when talking about kind of this, (laughs) this sense of like selfless compassion, compassion, but that's, that's that's one interpretation. Yeah. But I think, I think for Anakin though, he does also (laughs) interpret it as it's a good thing to fall in love. Right. Um, so for Anakin, it's okay that he's fallen in love, but what he's feeling in conflict with is the fact that he's not allowed to do anything with it, right? The order has put 
the kibosh on it. It doesn't doesn't necessarily say you can't have feelings for other people, but you can't really enter into something with that other person. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's obviously right. a lot of what's driving Anakin. And I think the biggest thing that, of course, hits Anakin is losing his mother, right? Uh, he, again, I'm the chosen one. I'm supposed to be become the most powerful Jedi ever, and I can't even save my mom, right? You know, so, I mean, this is this huge he's he's being tortured by these dreams and these premonitions and he goes to try to to make everything okay and he just can't he just comes up short um and i think um in the same like you mentioned jason like so much of this story is about putting things in place like for palpatine that was putting all the pieces in place to start a clone war and to make sure that the jedi would be eradicated through said war those are the pieces palpatine's mm. put into motion and i think the po- the pieces that are being put in motion for anakin's turn is that is that tremendous fear of losing the people he loves and doing anything, anything he can to prevent that from happening again. Um, And I think the murder of the Tuscans is just this emotion of his spilling out over onto helpless, onto helpless victims. Um, Because that's kind of the, that is the foreshadowing of what Anakin will become is that he's, he has all these emotions, doesn't know how to process them appropriately, so as Darth Vader, he doesn't have to. He can process them however he wants by killing whomever he wants. Um, and I think that's kind of what's happening for Anakin in this story is he knows he doesn't quite fit in and he's trying to find his footing and really, really struggles to do that. And then on top of it all, these big personal things are going on for him. He's, he's back in contact with this person he's in love with, then rushed off to try to save his mother and just comes up short. Um, so I think Attack of the Clones sets up the most human reason for Anakin's fall. I, I, I remember that always being my favorite. Th- I think if this was a why we love the prequels more general episode, <laughs> I would say I think probably my favorite thing that the prequel trilogy did was it made the story of Darth Vader incredibly human. Um, and what I mean by that is, is it, it told the story of what makes a good person become evil, losing everything you love. Um, I think that'll do it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, that'll push you over the edge for, for a lot of folks. Um, so I think for attack of the clones, it really shows that Anakin's struggling in his place in life and he's there to become a Jedi because like he promised in Phantom Menace, I will come back and save you, mom. You know, I think even, even though it's been a decade since he's seen his mother, I feel like in the back of his head every day. He's thinking about her and he's like, I'm one step closer to becoming a powerful Jedi Knight so that I can go back and rescue her, um, you know, and that's just completely taken away from him. You know, that sense of control uh, is completely robbed of him. And because he doesn't clearly get the proper support he needs even around that and now he's thrust into a war, he never gets to process that in a normal way. Um, so... Instead, he becomes obsessed with gaining power so that it won't ever happen again. And, you know, I think one of my favorite little moments in Attack of the Clones is that moment of Anakin dropping to his knees in front of Shmi's uh, funeral tablet um, and just grabbing that handful of sand and just watching it slip out of his fingers and, and making this vow, this will never happen again. It's, it's kind of clicking for me now because I've been consuming a lot of Batman stuff. This is very Bruce Wayne, young Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah unable to properly understand or process 
what happened to his parents. He makes this kind of impossible vow of, I will spend the rest of my days fighting evil until I rid this city of it. And it's like, oh, you're never going to do that. <laughs> um, he makes this impossible yeah. task for himself. Anakin kind of makes this impossible task for himself in this moment of, I'll never fail you like that again. I will never let this happen to me again. And that is the revenge of the Sith is that ripe fertile ground for the creation of Darth Vader. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh you're right. It is very Batman. Uh, the, the thing is, is that Batman walks the line between good and bad and mm-hmm. Anakin ends up tripping over it. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of it. So that's the main difference between the two of them. And, and I think a lot of it stems from, and, and uh, you know, a lot of the, the frust- source of the frustration and figure, trying to figure out who he is and what he's supposed to be as the chosen one. In addition to just, you know, as a Jedi, you know, in general, but as the, the chosen one in particular, um, and and why the Jedi Council and Obi Wan Kenobi have such a hard time figuring this out is nobody knows exactly what the Chosen One is. Right. There is. There's no like. There's not a roadmap. There's not a, a an instruction manual for you know who the Chosen One is or should be um, and what it exactly they are supposed to do. All we know is the Chosen One is going to bring balance to the Force. What does that mean? Great question. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. Um, you know, we, we get these questions throughout the prequels. You know, a prophecy misread could have been, you know, Yoda says in Revenge of the Sith. You know, no, nobody has any idea what the Chosen One means. And, and because they don't know, the Jedi... Council and Obi-Wan Kenobi seem to be doing this weird dance of like, well, do we just train him like a regular Jedi and hope that that training uh, instills with him what he needs to rise up to be the chosen one? Or should we treat him special and try to give him additional training or have additional requirements that he needs to meet to, you know, because he is the chosen one, you know, that they don't know. And because they don't know, and Anakin doesn't know what it means, no, and nobody knows what it means, that's just a, a, a pure recipe for frustration and uh, just – it's no wonder he's rebellious and he acts out. There's no wonder, you know. So I, yeah. I think it – you know, there's a good and a bad <laughs> – it may have been better if Anakin had no idea he was the chosen one. Mm. It may have been better, but obviously he does. And we're left with the story that comes of that. So, you yep. now again, there's always this caveat caveat of if Qui-Gon was there, things would have been fine, <laughs> but he's not. Yep. So, we get attack of the clones the way it happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're so right. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm really curious for you. The last thing you want to mention for why you love the, this particular movie so much, Jason, this is, this is literally my favorite part of the movie. Oh, I know. Um, I know what it is. You know, or at least I think, what I is it? It's the Jedi running into battle, right? 
Of course it yeah. is. <laughs> of course it is. This is the, the the main reason why Attack of the Clones jumped out at me uh, when I first saw it. And it's been an enduring reason as to why I continue to come back to this movie over and over and over again. It, You know, as much as I know it's a terrible thing that the Jedi are going to war uh, in terms of the narrative story uh, and that it's not good for them uh, in the short term because it will lead to their eradication. It, the, the movie is called Star Wars and seeing a whole bunch of Jedi fighting battle droids in the Geonosis arena is, is the battle I didn't know I needed and didn't know I wanted until I saw it. Um, and that singular battle I am obsessed with. I literally am obsessed with that fight, the conflict, all the characters in the arena. Uh, you, you would be absolutely shocked by the sheer volume of Jedi action figures I own because of this scene. Like if I was creative in any sort of way and had the space and the, the materials to do so, I would try to build a, a Geonosis arena diorama um, w- because I have all the Jedi to put in it. <laughs> I literally have all the Jedi to put in it. Um, so, and this is, this is a battle that I have literally gone through frame by frame multiple times uh, just to watch what you know, all the Jedi were doing in the background to see all the different Jedi in the background, not just what's in the foreground. Uh, that I am obsessed. I am literally obsessed with this battle. Uh, and there's not much, there's not much as a, of a reason why I just am like, this is, this draws me in. I had the movie on this afternoon while I was working and you know, I, I'm typing away at my keyboard and doing what I need to do. Um, sort of quoting along to the movie, you know, where I'm listening to it, you know, listening to the movie playing in the background. But as soon as this party's over, <laughs> like what work, what work I am, I am sucked into that battle and nothing wild horses stampeding reeks couldn't pull me away from that <laughs> battle. Um, so yeah, that, it is my favorite part of this movie, bar none. Uh, I can't, there's not a, a deep reason why. It's just the coolest thing in the world to me. And it keeps drawing me in every time I watch it. And yeah, like I said, obsessed. <laughs> there's so much going on in it, you know? Uh, it, it, and this was something that was fun to do back when it came out on uh, DVD is just, you know, pausing it and, 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 and looking at every little frame, what was going on in the background. I mean, there's just a chock full of so much going on. Um, and even Nick Gillard, right. The, the stunt coordinator and sword master of the prequels, you know, every single extra that played a background Jedi was trained in some form of different type of sword combat, right? So there's all these different variations. Nobody's exactly the same. Um, it's just a huge moment. I mean, it's the start of a, uh, it's the start of the clone war. 
Um, yeah. You know, and, and that grabbing you makes a tremendous amount of sense, you know, because it, it, again, it's, it's just that thing. It's like, it just, it just works for me. Right. It just clicks all it's the cool. cylinders. It's yeah. You know, um, and sometimes, sometimes in star Wars, that's enough y'all, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it, I think it's, I think it's awesome when we have like these deep seated reasons why something really works, but I think it's also just as equally valid when it's like, this just works, <laughs> you know, yeah. I just, I just love it because I love it. It just, it just, it just works. Um, and I think that's definitely how, I mean, in all the years we've been doing this podcast, all the countless times this particular sequence has made its way into conversations over the years. It's so apparent that this is just, this is what it is. I mean, this is the battle of good versus evil. This is, you know, I mean, you've explained in the past before that for you, you know, you've often understood the Jedi as kind of these prophetic characters, right? They're the, Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're, they're these immensely important characters that are now coming into battle, right? Uh, it's, yeah. it's so epic and iconic. Uh, of course it's, of course it grabbed you. Of course it did. And, and it continues to do so, uh, again, you know, over 20 years later, uh, sitting here in my apartment when I should be working, watching, uh, you know, just Kit Fisto force push C-3PO across the <laughs> the Genosis arena floor, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, and I think that's what's so great is, you know, any, I, I mean, any Star Wars movie I'm comfortable throwing on in the background sometimes. Um, Attack of the Clones is just the one that I happen to do it with the most. Um, and, you know, there are definitely scenes in this movie that are, like, like I said, there are scenes like that you know, every Django Obi-Wan scene, I'm watching it. Um, yeah. Every super emo Anakin scene, I'm watching it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, um, it, yeah. It, I think that's what is just so great. I, I love that this landed as our number one. And to be fair, like before we even sat down to do the, to, to make this list together, um, when I was like, oh, I'm going to ask Jason to do this. I think he'll love it. I was like, I'm pretty sure Attack of the Clones is going to be our combined favorite. Um Yeah. It wasn't much of a – no one would have taken the bet against that. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's a movie that I just – I love talking about it. I love thinking about it because um, there is still so much 20 years later that you can dive into with this movie. Um and, and and like you it's you know have kind of pointed out several times throughout the episode – there's been so many ancillary stories now because of this movie. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot. I think we owe a lot to Attack of the Clones. Um, and I made this when I was watching it earlier this afternoon with with Jazz. I mean, I just mentioned it was like, regardless of whether you love this movie or not, you know, if if you're a Marvel movie fan, if you are a fan of Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter movies, none of those stories would have been able to have been told visually had George not done what he did with Attack of the Clones. Um, you know, so again, it doesn't, doesn't mean that it has to be your favorite thing or that you love it. And maybe you don't even love the CGI in those other movies anyway. Um, but if, if you appreciate the use of modern CGI, thank George and attack of the clones. Cause that's where it all originated. First movie to use all digital cameras, yep. uh, was attack of the clones. George Lucas forced the theater industry to update their screens to play the movie. 
Um, and it, he continued to push, push the technical boundaries of filmmaking with the prequels and, and yeah. attack of the clones was a big step on all of that. Yeah. So, well, and how, how almost meta that, you know, attack of the clones is probably the most densely, uh, world dense world building story in the star Wars narrative. And also in the behind the scenes, it's also the one where George pushed envelopes more than probably any other Star Wars movie prior to that. Um, yeah, except except for the original. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, I think he pushed all new boundaries in the same way he did with the original with Attack of the Clones. I would yeah. say it was, he he had that same kind of entrepreneurial spirit. Um, you know, I I will say I think with the original story, the special effects were something he felt obligated to do rather than revolutionary. If that makes sense, mm. um, like I, th- I think he was he wanted to tell a kind of simple revolutionary story, and knew that it was going to take a lot of ingenuity. Um, but I think he was still more concerned with telling the story than he was the techno technological side. And I would say in Attack of the Clones, he was more interested in pushing those technological envelopes to open his world more. And I think as a result, the story aspect may have taken a little bit more of a backseat. And I think that's evident, right? I mean, I love the story of Attack of the Clones, but I can understand that. It's there's a lot of there's a lot of eye candy in Attack of the Clones. Um, And I think that and that's not to diminish it. Um, But uh, I think what George was kind of being revolutionary with in 2002 was what can we do with digital technology? Right. This is this new tool that has all these all these promises. How can we how can we break into the next level of that? And I think he he did that awesomely with with episode two. Yeah. And just to tie it right back in real quick with the last thing I talked about with the Genosis Arena, it's very evident there because literally all the different Jedi in the background filmed individually and just layered and layered and layered and layered and layered Mm. into that entire sequence uh, to fill the whole arena with Jedi and action. Um, So, yeah, it's... That's definitely, you know, against blue screen that then composited in an, a gigantic miniature that they built of the arena mm. as the background. You know, yeah. like all of these different pieces just to create one sequence. Uh, it's it's absurd, uh, but also amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, well... Which I think is a good description for Attack of the Clones in general. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Oh. Um Well, there you have it, folks. Our clearly our some of our f- things we love most about uh episode two, Attack of the Clones. Uh my goodness. I've I've loved doing this little series the last few weeks, Jason. I just talking about Star Wars movies we really love <laughs> kind of doesn't get any better than that. Um, no. and, and all with this purpose of kind of getting to that 500th episode, which is certainly obviously a, a milestone for both of us, but I think also it, a worthwhile, uh, milestone, even in the world of podcasting, not a lot of podcasts reach 500 episodes. That's I mean, other folks certainly have, um, but it's not common. Uh, so yeah, we're really excited to, 
share our 500th episode with you uh, next week. Uh, we've got a great guest coming on, and we're actually going to be talking a little bit about the history of Star Wars podcasting. Uh, I met a, a wonderful, wonderful person uh, at Celebration Chicago back in 2019 um, mm-hmm. who was sharing with me um, all this awesome work he was doing, putting together kind of this library of Star Wars podcasting. And, of course, he worked a lot with Nathan P. Butler. Um, so for any of you who are from the Star Wars Report Network or just probably Star Wars fan experience in general, Nathan P. Butler was a huge voice in, in collaborating all sorts of projects across the Star Wars universe. Um, so, yeah, super excited to have to have our guest with us next week as we kind of just – as we hit a milestone, we'll just kind of – kind of look back briefly over the essentially about 20 years of star Wars podcasting, which blew my mind that they existed that long ago. Um, but, yeah. uh, our guest Daniel is going to explain a little bit more about what that all looked like back then and, and what it's turned into now. Um, so really looking forward to that conversation. So if, if you're interested in yourself, just in the history of star Wars podcasting, um, it, I'm certainly no expert on it. Daniel's sent me a couple things to read, which have been helpful, but, uh, really excited to have that conversation with him next week. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there, there's a lot of really cool information he's, he's put together and, uh, been researching and tracking for, for a long, long time. Like that's his hobby is tracking all, a lot of this stuff. So uh, I won't say all yeah. of it because there's a lot in all. So, um, well, well when but, I, when I met him and I, I, I he, he was a, a librarian at a, I'm pretty sure at a college university. Um, and I don't know if he's still doing that. I forgot to ask him, but all the same, he's got the skills to be a good archivist. <laughs> so yes. Um, yeah. Training under Jocasta new. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're super excited to, to celebrate that next week. Um, and we hope you'll hope you'll join us for that conversation. And, you know, as we kind of start to wrap this one up, just a reminder again to uh, not a reminder, I guess, just another point of gratitude again to thank all of you who listen, whether today was your first episode or um, a special shout out to those of you who've been with us since the beginning. Uh, we just we appreciate uh, being part of your Star Wars story week in and week out. Uh, it's, it's, it's truly a gift to us to, to know that we're, we're filling people with Star Wars joy. Absolutely. It, it really has been such a, a fantastic journey for Carl and I ourselves as we, you know, we just wind our way through over 11 years of, and 500 episodes of podcasting. Uh, but the fact that there have been so many of you that have come along for the ride along the way has just been absolutely mind blowing and, and fantastic. And we really, really do appreciate each and every one of you who've listened, you know, over the years, whether it's just been a couple episodes here and there uh, you've come in and out, uh, you know, over the years, or if you've been here the whole time, you know, we appreciate each and every one of you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, but Carl, Yes. As we close down this episode, if people want to weigh in on why they love Attack of the Clones, where can people get in contact with us? Well, we are on Instagram at the Wampas Lair. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Wampas Lair. You can always shoot us an email at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. And uh, anything else before we close down this uh, last episode in the 400s. <laughs> See you on the other side, Jason.
We'll see you on the other side in episode 500. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast, episode 499, Why We Love Attack of the Clones. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.